Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Transformation Gold Podcast. I'm your coach and your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. FigureChick911. Coming to you today, we're talking a little bit more about professional development and the topic of culture. One of the great business minds probably ever to have walked the face of the planet is a gentleman by the name of Peter Drucker. And if you've ever read any of Peter's stuff or or watched him on video or listened to him on audio, you will know that he's quoted with saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And oftentimes when you are growing your team, your organization, and quite honestly, if, if this has application for your personal life, your family as well, When you're looking at growth and you're finding resistance to growth, one of the very first places that you need to look at is actually culture. Your personal culture and then the culture of the place where you're working or growing or developing. Okay, and so to repeat his quote is that strategy, I'm sorry, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So when now you're looking to do a how-to plan, if what you're attempting to put into place contradicts the culture, it's never going to go forward. You actually have to change the culture. Oh my God, I know it's never ending. But I want to assure you of one thing. It's never impossible to change culture. And I'm going to give you an example. Now you may, I don't know how old you are, but I'm going to just put one word out there and the word is seatbelt. Now if you have parents who, you know, obviously were alive, you know, sometime, you know, before like, I'd say the the mid-1990s, seatbelts weren't a thing, quote unquote. And neither were like car seats. (laughs) You could drive around, you could have a bazillion people in the car. Somehow we survived, but seatbelts were not so much of a thing. I don't even know if early cars even had seatbelts. But the other aspect of it is that it wasn't a law. And what happened was there was a lot of accidents, fatal accidents and accidents which put people in harm's way where they had long-term devastating outcomes and they, they never returned to like a full way of life. And it was all because they were in accidents that could have, I don't want to say necessarily the accidents could have been prevented, but the, the level of their injury and their outcome could have been prevented had they had a seatbelt on. So what happened was there was this big national push to all of a sudden change the culture of our entire nation by implementing a seatbelt law. And so it required a culture change. And now granted, when you have the law standing behind you, I mean, obviously there's a little bit more teeth in in, in your initiative, but what started happening was we started seeing changes in the automotive industry where the automotive industry started installing automatic seatbelts with the shoulder harness as the cue to remind people to buckle up 
But unfortunately, what happened was that people just got comfortable with the automatic shoulder harness and they didn't have the waist strap on. And so it didn't prevent them from slipping out or even up and over the shoulder harness. And so then I think those became a thing of the past and then it was just more education training and really 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 aggressive dialing into the get into the car get in the habit of clicking your seatbelt does that make sense and so if you look over the course of time more people than not I would say probably wear seatbelts today than they did in the early to mid 1990s Okay, so there's evidence right there that culture can be changed. Now, if you have an organization, it's not going to necessarily take you 20 or 30 years, I, I hopefully, to change the culture of your organization. But just like with everything else, leadership, it, everything rises and falls on you as a leader. And you will always be the lid of your own organization. Okay, those things, if you've never gotten a book written by John Maxwell, I'm going to highly recommend that you do this. It's called The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And it's really, it, you can read it probably in a, in a short time, like front to cover, or, you know, cover to cover, short period of time. But you can also, you know, read one little chapter and it's not overbearing like it's not like going to take you forever there's not like this plot that you have to get you know up in like each chapter stands alone but then you put it together and it really in my opinion like brings out those poster issues about strong leadership like you just tons and tons of value then you go and you live your life you come back you reread it and you're like oh my gosh this is so flipping true and then you find another gem with in the text again it's, it's like very rigid just continues on and on and since the original publication he's since revised it I believe he's added in another law but it's a red the cover is red and black the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership by John Maxwell like seriously go get it he John has been so instrumental in my development as a professional um both operating in a healthcare capacity, but also as a coach and a consultant, as a speaker, and as a person, that I, I would be amiss if I if I neglected to give that man credit, even though I still haven't met him yet. It's just by his works. Okay? So that's what I'm gonna say for you, you know, that's gonna be over there. So let's get back to this issue of culture. All right, when you're looking at the culture of your organization, okay, what I'm gonna ask for you to do is for you to just allow your mind to clear right now and then let's get down to business, okay? Wherever it is with your organization, wherever you are now, wherever you want to be in the future, there's that giant gap. And if you've listened to any of my coachings in the past, I always tell you to close the gap. The secret is to position yourself closest to the people or the resources that you require to sew the gap shut, to marry those seams and, and, and sew them shut, okay? Just like the goal with this podcast, the goal is to shorten that time period between when you have an idea and when you act on it. The time is now o'clock, so I have this idea, great, I'm going to act on it. Okay, you shorten the time period, that's one step to actually closing that gap. 
all right? But for in order for you to have that quote-unquote how-to, you have to become a person who is marked by intentionality. You have to become intentional. Intentional about the outcomes that you seek. Intentional about the outcomes you expect. Intentional about the actions you take. It's all marked by intentionality. And I've seen this, and I believe this with all of my heart, that one of the biggest mistakes people make, either as they go about their life, or, and or, especially following a little bit of success, and I've done this myself, so I'm not, I'm not excluding myself from the group at all, but it's, it's becoming comfortable. Growth is the expectation. All right, and I believe that once you identify yourself as a grower, as a builder, even if you know you look behind you and maybe your past path, you know you haven't been in full-blown action before, it's never too late to course correct. And I believe as you go along through your life, your professional, your personal life, you learn different things about yourself. And once you master certain lessons, like I, I fully believe that every man and woman, so like mankind, every person is designed to improve themselves. I, I totally believe that. And the reason why I believe it is because there's something called growth and development. And we see it in like developmental milestones in children. You don't ever have to tell a baby to roll over, they do it. You don't ever have to tell a baby to pull themselves up on the sofa or the coffee table, they do it. You sure as hell don't ever have to tell a baby to climb up on a chair, on the counter, on top of the refrigerator to get to a cookie jar. (laughs) They do it, right? (laughs) Okay, there's evidence, there's straight evidence right there that all people are designed to improve. Okay, so whatever you've done, if you've made wrong choices, what I'm going to ask for you to do is to pull yourself out of the corner, okay, and embrace who it is that you really are, and that is you are a person of growth. Now, there's times, obviously, you get to points in your life where growth is excessively uncomfortable, and it, it, it forces you, in order to grow, to push past certain pain points. This is true of of athleticism, it's true of relationship, it's true of finances. Right or wrong? (laughs) It's right, okay? But here's the problem, and here's probably, you know, one of the sticky points, if you would, that aside from just there being pain points with growth, you know, for me to go and like revisit that topic, like you have to, you know, be uncomfortable to grow. You got to force yourself to face the pain. Like, I think we're all very comfortable with that. We've heard it. We've heard it, this, that, and the other. In my experience with the individuals whom I coach, I don't coach people who are afraid of pain. I simply don't. 
I don't know who you are listening on this podcast, but when I go and I speak with organizations or I take on a coaching client, there's nobody, none of them are afraid of pain. They may whimper about it. They may, you know, some of my people laugh about it like, oh my God, that's going to totally hurt. Oh my God. But they do it. Okay. And it's that, that's in their DNA, I guess, probably, or in, in, I don't know why, but that's how we are. Like we know it's going to hurt. We face it anyway. And that's just, so it's really not that we're afraid of that pain of growth. In my experience, as I continue along as a coach, as a speaker, as a consultant, what I am starting to really, really, really hone in on is the fact that the mindset of people who are in charge, there's so many different responsibilities. You see this in business ownership, you see this as a head you know, point person of any team or group or organization, is that when you're moving and you're looking to expand, like your brain, like you've got like a bazillion different tabs going on. And I'll give you an example. So there's, if you are running or you're building a business, right? And you're moving yourself from sole proprietorship into a business owner. And by business owner, I mean your person doesn't have to be in the physical business in the brick and mortar for the business to be operational. You can leave. You can go out and do anything else. You can go to Tahiti for a month and the business will still continue to run because you have systems and structures in place to do the work for you while you're gone. And it's growth oriented. It's not just sitting on idle. It's continuing to grow. Growth is the expectation. And anybody who's in business knows that if you're not increasing your sales quarter to quarter, year to year, eventually it catches up with you and or the competition catches up with you and you're not able to survive. You die. I know that sounds kind of harsh, but in business, we're very cut and dry. Like we understand, we understand those principles and we don't need a lot of flowery action around us. We just like to hash the details out, get them out into the open, expose the source. Okay, here's what it is. And then go attack it. That's, that's part of that mindset of a business owner is very, very, very attack and conquer But not everybody in the organization holds that same mindset. And that can be pointing towards the culture of the organization. What's the culture in that organization? Also, what's the personal culture of the people in the organization? That if they're not that attack and conquer, I'm hungry to grow and I'm all about this. And when I'm out in the world, like I can't not talk about what it is that we're doing because I'm so jazzed up about this. Okay, that's it's not saying that they're bad people, but when you're looking to grow the thing, 
there is a distinction between solid workers and growers and builders. Okay, everybody has goals. Everybody has some sort of like, you know, why do I do what I do? You know, how did I land here? Blah, 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 blah. But when you are that leader, you're the point person. It's up to you to establish the culture, the expectations, and and maintain it. So a couple teaching points here on culture coming back full circle. First of all, if you're new, it's way easier to establish culture than it is to change it. However, culture can always be changed. Sometimes some people will have to leave and sometimes you're going to have to invite new blood, new oxygen in to cause a culture switch. But the more busy your brain is in working on a project or in, quote unquote, in the business, in the team, as opposed to on it, the harder it is for you to have that creative outlet and be able to get outside of yourself. And to give you some clarity and I think a little bit of relaxation here is that it's <laughs> it's a function of your nervous system. And if you <laughs> I'm laughing because anybody who's coached and trained with me in the past knows that I always find a reason to bring the nervous system up into virtually every training that I do, but there's there's legitimacy behind this because here's what you need to know, all right? When we start talking about you know, why, why, why? You're, you're, you're putting yourself in a corner, like, why do I continue to do this? That everybody knows, like, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over and expecting a different result, right? And you're, you're, the tendency is to try to push harder and force it harder, but it doesn't always get you a different result. Just like in athleticism, we say if you train the same, you stay the same. Okay? You've got to challenge a muscle, you've got to you know, train in new and different ways to continue to build your athleticism or develop your, you know, your aesthetic physique in, in a different way. It's the same thing in, in life. But what happens is that when you become probably overwhelmed in thoughts, if you know, you're trying to maintain a budget and you're trying to prospect and you're trying to do employee development and you're trying to do this, you're trying to do that, and you've got your hands in so many different places, what happens is that your nervous system basically puts you and keeps you in what we call fight or flight. Okay, so here's some physiology and then we're going we're gonna to back, we're going to come back in, and we'll attack this thing, you know, like the conquerors that we are. So when you're in that fight or flight, what actually happens is that it narrows what we call peripheral vision. Okay, so like if you've ever been stressed out or you know anybody who's stressed out, what happens is you don't have peripheral vision anymore. You get that it's not, it's, you can only see like the thing right in front of your face. Similarly, you don't hear a lot of like flowery language. You only hear like the, the now and the very clear and direct sort of communication. 
you don't process information logically, and you sure as hell don't communicate well. That's just, that's how the fight or flight mechanism runs. It's not meant to really give you a, a, a grandiose <laughs> presence or, um, you know, the ability to be a connector. It's not that. Fight or flight, if you want an example, it's like designed for caveman to run away from T-Rex with the big head and the little arms. It's primal. Okay, and those are the, that's the effects of fight or flight. It causes tunnel vision, it you know, dampens your creativity, it dampens your fine motor skills, your ability to think outside the box, quote unquote, you know, come up with alternative situations, to be resourceful, and it just keeps you in that survival mode of the here and now. And it doesn't allow for free thought expansive thinking, landscape view, looking at your situation in the context of the whole entire picture. It just, it keeps you doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again until you exhaust out and fatigue out. Okay, so here's what I'm going to tell you that we started this podcast talking about culture well, you're not going to be able to first and foremost take a, an objective viewpoint at culture if you're doing your day-to-day, just, I, I just, I, I'm just trying to survive over here. You're not going to be able to get at the source. You're going to try to continue to get people who may be in the wrong positions, doing different tasks, perhaps your expectations are not clearly outlined, you're not establishing solid projections. Do you see what I'm saying? Like there's a lot like the how-to and you're, you're trying to put a band-aid here on something which has a bigger source and the source is culture, but the culture can't be changed when you're operating in fight or flight, caught up in that mental tailspin and just working in survival mode. Okay, so this is why I speak about leadership all the time because it's up to you to be the one to identify, okay, Houston, we have a problem here. All right, what's, what's, what's the source? What's the cause? Well, this person, is it really that person or is the culture not appropriately set? Is it not being maintained? Do we have proper expectations? Is everybody expectations in alignment? And then do we have issues with training? Is there a knowledge deficit or now we have to develop our employees, develop our people, develop our team? Okay, but it always starts at the top, which is you, which is why you're on this podcast. Okay, so how do we go about that? How do we go about moving ourselves from survival mode to what essentially is thrival mode so that we can continue to grow? All right, just like everything else, it always starts with recognizing that you have a problem. All right, so that's your Houston, we have a problem moment. Okay, all right, now what are we going to do about it? Now we have to actually do an actual switch in terms of how your nervous system is actually run. What side of your nervous system is actually in dominance right now? Is it fight or flight? Or are we going to leverage the other side of our brain, which is called feed or breed, 
but what it is, it's a braking mechanism, if you would, to that fight or flight. Which one do you want to be operating on? If fight or flight is structured and just, you know, trying to keep this and force this, or do you need a creative freaking solution to your current situation because you're not sure what action to take now? Okay, maybe it's creativity. If you're looking for a creative solution, All right, you got it. Here's what you need to do, all right? Houston, we have a problem. Second, it's the power of your breath. I know it sounds hokey. I know it sounds trite. I know it sounds trivial. I don't care if it sounds like we're from California. (laughs) Conveniently, I was born in that state. We're all like, you know, doing yoga and holding hands. I don't give a shit. We're talking about how to change your physiology to get the outcome that you seek, okay? Everything starts with you. So this is what we call the power of the breath. So when you begin to take some slow, controlled, deep breaths, which just takes you like 10 seconds, you have 10 seconds, all right? Your business, your team, your organization is totally worth 10 seconds of time investment to move yourself from feed or breed into the opposite side of your nervous system, which allows for creative thought. Let's try it. Okay, wherever you are, let's take a nice breath in through your nose. And exhale. Okay, inhale again. Exhale. Try one more. Sit up just a little bit taller. Big breath in. Expand your lungs. And exhale. Okay. You should feel different. Okay. What you're experiencing, this is that transition from fight or flight into the opposite side of your nervous system, which is kind of like the chill pill. Now, if we were to take a look at the culture of your organization, now we can ask those key questions. What are your goals? for the remainder of the year, for this quarter, for the next five years, okay? Always start at the end, okay? Navigation, you, it starts at the end destination. Just like when you're programming a GPS, in order to get from point A to point B, you have to program point B into the GPS. I want to be at this particular restaurant. Not, I want to be you know, in, in the state of Texas, all right, well, that's fine, but then what? Okay, even Texas is more of a, of a direct definitive point than somewhere, okay? So you have to be very clear on the outcome that you seek, okay? And for my people who are on this podcast, I know that you are attacking conquer sort of individuals, all right? W- what is the outcome that you seek? 
Is this certain number of employees? Is this the way that your business is structured? Is this the way, you know, winning a certain championship? If this is a team that you're talking about, like really honest to God, how, how much money is it that you're seeking to make in a month or in a year? You know, what is your goal? Goals. Okay. Then we work it backwards. All right. Where are we positioned right now? And once you get to know, let's say, you know, this time of year, okay, so I'm recording this podcast, we're in December here. This is obviously like the last couple weeks of the year. Every business owner that I know is is in one of two places, either just like, shit, man, I'm just going to be, I'm, I'm like dead right now. And I just, you know, there's 2019, here I come. And neglecting the work that you can do in these last two to three weeks of the year, there's such a thing as teams who come from behind in the fourth quarter and they freaking win. Are you the team that accepts defeat or are you the team that refuses to quit and does whatever it takes to push themselves ahead and finish the year victorious? What is it that you need to do? What is it that you need to close the gap between where you are and where you want to be? Who are the people that you need? What are the resources? Who can you leverage? Leverage is a key word here. It's up to you. We started talking about culture, but culture applies to your personal method of operation as well. That if you're refusing to change or you're refusing to remain low level or your level of growth that you operate on is not in alignment with the growth that you foresee for your team, for your organization, or even for your family. Okay, simply own that. Yeah, I'm dragging my ass behind, okay? And here comes the next part. Maybe it's not that you're a slack ass. You know, you know yourself. The next question I want to ask you is, are you a slack ass or do you have your hands in too many fires or you're too many irons in too many fires? That if you want growth and awesomeness in one particular area, that requires excessive focus. That means you want most of your energy and attention going in that direction, which requires you to cut off attention to other things. That's how all champion athletes are built. That's the way businesses are built. And again, I don't know your numbers. I, I'm not here to advocate that you do something that's going to cause your enterprise or your team or your organization to die. What I'm here to remind you of is the fact that when you have a lot of distractions, it takes away from that intense level of focus. As the leader, you have to have what I call telescopic vision. When I say telescopic, I mean 
like the old-fashioned telescopes like they collapse in on one like they're made of like three pieces do you know what ones I'm talking about and like there's the one piece it's big the middle piece slides inside of there and then the piece which fits closer to your eye slides inside of there and like you pull it open it's telescopic and you're able to you know you turn the pieces and then you're able to focus on something up close which is super far away and then you're able to pull back that field of view and see things like landscape view like panoramic view same thing like with a camera lens like you have that ability to focus in and pull back to see wider landscape view that's that's how your mind has to be but you're not going to be able to pull back and get landscape panoramic view or even have a creative solution to a particular problem when you're only focusing on one little thing. You have to take that step back. It's like standing, if you picture a triangle or a corner and your, your nose to nose with the corner, the corner of the triangle or you know the corner of a wall. You're not going to be able to see anything else because you're in there. You're in the corner. You've got to step back, okay? And that's when you start seeing other things. Oh, you know what? I'm not hanging around other shakers and movers and hustlers and growers. Who do I have around me? In, in my own day-to-day, who... Who is in my inner circle? And here's what I'm going to suggest to you is that sometimes in an organization and probably over time, organizations will have like an inner circle of people who are, are made of that same like makeup. But sometimes if your organization, you were handed the people in it, you, maybe you, you selected the wrong people or maybe, you know, the people were just, you know, they were given to you and you're, you're not doing all of this dramatic shifting around now or just yet. Okay, you're allowed to go outside of your own organization and have what's called a mastermind meeting. Okay, a mastermind meeting is a meeting of the minds. And what happens is the the effects, the results that come out of it are the creation of an additional mind. So let's say you have three people who sit down, you actually by brainstorming together, even if one of you comes from business, one of you comes from, I don't know, any other area, some research and development, something, as long as you're with those individuals who are growth oriented, what happens is that it's the, it's another mind, which is actually created by the harnessing and the, and the conjoining and the sharing of ideas of those people. That's why they have things like small business associations. All right, so that you can, you know, kind of, you know, pick brains and, and think about how we're going to solve these problems. But here's what I'm going to tell you, and no disrespect to small business associations, you have to know the outcome that you seek. If what you're seeking is beyond the structure of a small business, just by your calling yourself a small business, you are putting the lid on your potential. Okay, perhaps what you're looking to grow and develop is beyond that. 
okay? So then that's when you have to align yourself with people who think beyond what small business owners are thinking. That's it. And it's, it's like anything else. It's simply a decision. It's simply a decision. This is what we're doing. And you put an invitation out there. Hey, four o'clock in the morning. I don't know anybody else who's up right now except us crazy people. <laughs> you know that? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? And you start from the get-go. This is how you close the gap. If you're running around the same people and hanging around the same people and you're not getting the results that you demand or expect, okay, you always have to look at yourself first. What is, what are my demands? What are my expectations? Am I acting intentionally or am I also in the, oh my God, let's just kind of keep this thing alive until the end of the year, <laughs> okay? Step up into your power, okay? If you were given that gift of vision, if you were given that gift of drive, of dream, every person who has thought bigger or wanted more, it's not indicative of greed. It's, it's really not. God made you how he made you and he does not make mistakes, that's the backbone. You've got to trust that he made you and, and allowed you to go through your different paths in life because he's got something in store for you that is going to freaking blow your mind. I don't know when you're going to see it. I, don't, I have no idea. And along the way, there's a bunch of little lessons that he's still looking to reveal to you. And just like all things, the test will continue to present itself until you master the lesson. So when we get into these topics of, all right, what's our goals? All right, fine, we're gonna, this is what we're gonna do and you're not getting the goals. All right, you look to culture. All right, is the culture congruent with the goals and the expectations and our how-to plan, yes or no? No, okay. That's fine. So what, now what? All right, that was a coaching concept that was taught to me years ago. I took a, a whole entire program by a company called Landmark. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's very bothersome, very intellectual, but I'm telling you, like, it, I've, I learned a lot of stuff from, from being in that, in that whole entire coaching environment. Okay? And just like all things, you pull your pearls out and you move forward with them in the way that resonates with your mission. It's never too late to course correct. So who are the people? Who are the people that can help you get from where you are to where you want to be? Who can help get your organization from where you are to where you want to be? Your team from where you are to where you want them to be? It's the same recipe all the time. It's how you apply the principles. That's it. 
So wherever we are, let's take a look at this time period, whether this is end of the year, you're listening to me right now, you're not listening to this podcast until who knows when. I come out, I I talk with your organization, we do one-on-one coaching, whatever it is. Know that when you coach and you train with me, I'm not the one directional little how-to coach. Because typically what happens is when I come into a group or a team or an organization or even with coaching an individual, remember who you're dealing with. I am, if you listen to the past podcast, I'm that person. I'm the kid who could look at a trigonometry question in math and give you the answer without showing you my work, just by looking at the problem. I'm also the ER nurse. And I don't just put a Band-Aid on a major believer. I know that in order to, to actually make you better, I have to do something to control the hemorrhage. find the source. I can do temporary. I can apply pressure to a bleeding wound. But if what really has to happen is there needs to be surgical reattachment or sutures of a major blood vessel, all right, that's like shooting blood out, (laughs) I can only make a bandage look pretty for so long before it starts bleeding through again, right? You know what I'm saying? I think it's a whole holy mess, all right? That's, That's the nature of when you're doing corrective coaching, transformational coaching, personal professional development. It's really allowing yourself to get to the source. But for you to be able to even do that, you've got to allow yourself some sort of space built into your morning routine, built into a weekly mastermind, something, some place where you can come with clear mind and clear conscience and be able to objectively see what are our goals not how are we going to do this so that we can get to the goals first and foremost it's where what are the goals great now let's go backwards and figure out the how-to plan does that make sense so I'm going to leave you with this question tying this all up in a neat little package. What's your personal culture? And is your personal culture congruent with the culture you're looking to establish or change within inside of your organization, your team, or your family. I don't need to tell you the next steps. 
but I'll tell you this. I'll catch you next time on our next podcast. Make it a great day. Thanks for joining, everybody. We'll talk to you. Bye-bye.